0: Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within.
1: Now, here's your host, Matty A. Well, I'm excited to welcome to the show, Mr. Cameron Harold. How are we doing, my friend?
0: Good, Matthew. How are you doing?
1: We're hanging. We're hanging. Just uh, right now, obviously trying to put out as much content and value to our audience and, you know, a lot of people who are struggling during these challenging times. And I'm sure you have a ton of people reaching out to you. Would that be an accurate assessment on some guidance and direction through these times?
0: Yeah, pretty accurate. I mean, I've, I've been coaching real companies, typically 50 to 500 employees for the last 13 years. And I've also navigated three big economic downturns. I ran my first company Um, during the 1987 downturn where I had 12 employees so small business Um, the second big economic downturn that I navigated through was the 2000 2001 stock market crash the first um, real stock market crash for the uh, the dot-com era and I was building 1-800 got junk at that point so building a bigger business and then in the 2008 2009 downturn I was coaching about 15 different CEOs globally so really had some good visibility to to growing through that one. So I've been around this a a number of times now, so I get it.
1: What what feels different about this time than previous, or does it feel different?
0: Well, yeah, one of the big things that's different right now versus previous is the stock market has not really crashed yet. I mean, we had a brief crash with a correction, um, but all economic signs are pointing that we're going to actually have a fairly significant two- to three-year economic downturn recession slash depression, possibly stagflation yeah. um, because we've printed so much money. It looks like it might be back to a 1974 style stagflation where we have inflation and a recession at the same time. And that's very, very unusual, but we've printed so much money. We have put so $4 trillion back into the money supply. That money is going to be chasing goods and services that don't necessarily exist. And we have devalued that currency by making, putting so much out there. But then because all of these, you know, there's 25 million unemployed, they're not going to get absorbed overnight. No way. All of these small businesses that really have taken the government money as a grant, but they're not really going to employ more people because of it. That, that PPP has just really been money to pad the coffers of businesses that are getting hurt. But there a lot of the small one to 10 person companies won't reopen. Um, the small restaurants, the small massage places, the nail parlors, like the, the, a lot of those places are just going to get hurt. And then the real estate downturn, the the, um, the housing markets getting hit, commercial real estate markets getting hit, the hotel industry, airline industry, all of those have major reverberations that we haven't got Q1 results in yet. So once the Q1 results start coming in, that's when we should see the downturn. So that's what's different is we're already in a recession, but we've got so much money chasing goods and services and companies are being told globally to shut down, which is very different. Then we've also got supply chains starting to seize up. So we have, you know, farmers and, um, animal grow, like people that are raising animals that that can't actually even sell their products because there's no buyers. When all the restaurants shut down, there's no buyers for pork and for beef and for chicken and for fish, all those. So all those people have all this product that they can't do anything with. So they're, they're either killing it all off. You know, a lot of the fruits and vegetables can't be shipped to markets because 80% 80 of their buyers aren't even buying. So there's, Supply chains are starting to seize up. All of that's very different from, from the normal recessions.
1: Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer Where do you see the biggest challenge for the small business owner, entrepreneur, operator right now that if they lean into it, they can weather the storm and get in front of it?
0: Yeah, it's really around the fact that the small business owner, in reality, all businesses have three inputs. We have people, we have time, and we have money. And it's how are we going to use those three things to get the highest return on investment? How are we gonna use our time, How are we gonna use the people, whether it's ourself plus any employees, and how are we gonna use our money to get the highest outputs? So, you know, you think about time right now. Well, any time that you're spending on social media, reading about how bad it is, you're taking away from the time that you could be spending on marketing and sales and PR and driving the business forward. Any negative energy that you're feeding yourself with, whether it be pain or worry, you know, misery loves company. So the more that you're hanging out with people that are negative or worried or fearful, the more you're bringing that negative energy into your business, instead of spending time with people that are positive abundance mindset driving forward. Because the reality is even though the economy is going to hurt, there's still a lot of money to be made. Like I made a lot of money in the 2001 market crash when people were, were scared to death. I started buying all these really good companies. I bought Apple stock at $79 It's split twice since, you know, I bought um, Starbucks stock at $60. It's a It's like, I bought some really good companies that were going to be around forever. 2009 crash, same thing. I was up 108% on one year because I bought eight companies and I went deep when everyone was panicking. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just around being strategic, applying your time and money and people in the right area. And then around getting away from the doom and gloom and thinking about how are you proactively going to grow during this time?
1: Yeah. you, you, you if you're tuned into the channel of negativity and doom and gloom right that's the mentality and most likely the actions you're going to be taking or not taking because of what you're tuned into where do you see the opportunity well, you're going to
0: find, you, you end up with more confirmation bias so because you're looking for negative news you're going to see more negative news it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. instead of looking for the positive finding the positive seeing the positive getting excited because of the positive and that driving more positive momentum
1: so I've, I've been very careful about who I'm allowing to counsel me based on a variety of reasons, results, you know, resume, who their community is, but also, right, do I feel aligned with their core values, their mindset, things like that. What are you doing right now in regards to restricting or kind of building barriers up around you? Because a lot of people are going, ah, I can't block that person out or like, how can someone be more aware and attentive to the information or the influence people or environments or resources are having over them right now?
0: I it's one is looking for the bias, the natural bias that, that already exists in all of the outlets that you're consuming media in. So it's being aware that there's bias and not using your own bias to counter it or to excel. It's not really that bad. So looking for that balance, looking for balanced news, and then also saying the reality is, it is what it is. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. I may as well focus on what I can control, right? There's that, that whole serenity prayer that they use in a lot of the 12-step groups that I think can be really powerful right now, right? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, the reality is, right now, a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that you can't do anything about anyway, so don't right. worry about it. Yep. But, Control the controllables, right? Find the things that are within your control and control those. So that's powerful right now. I'm in a few different mastermind groups. I'm in War Room, the Genius Network. Um, I connect with a group out of Baby Bathwater. I'm still heavily connected with the TED community because I go to the main TED conference and have gone for the last 10 years. Um, So just kind of like, I just watched a spectacular video that Ray Dollywall did for TED uh, about two weeks ago. Ray Dollywall, who was the the author of the book Principles, one of the best, smartest guys on Wall Street. Yep. When you start surrounding yourself with people like that and consuming content from different perspectives, and then also realizing that getting more content isn't necessarily going to grow my company, what will sure. grow my company, is its focus. So
1: tell me about some of the opportunities people should be paying attention to right now, whether that's opportunities in their personal life, in their business life, in the global...
0: Sure. There's a lot of opportunities to grow your skill set and your mindset right now because thought leaders are giving away more content than ever for free. Yep. So devouring that content, listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, participating in their free courses, um, showing up for their webinars or the Zoom webinars which often they were giving away for free. You know, every hour that you spend on growing yourself becomes like putting something up into orbit that stays with you forever but all the time you can waste on social media, just on Facebook, consuming nothing, um, doesn't necessarily drive you forward. Another one is thinking about your goals, right? If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So really deciding where you're going, thinking about your goals, driving towards those goals, and then applying your learning and the content devouring you're doing towards those goals, right? So. You know, one of the things that I'm doing right now is I've taken one of my COO Alliance events. I run one of the only network its kind in the world for the second in command, and we're taking our April event online. So tomorrow and Thursday, we've got a number of seconds in command from all over the world coming to this online event. So I've been reading and listening to um, books and podcasts on running virtual events that I can provide the best quality content tomorrow and Thursday on running a virtual event.
1: So there's obviously this uh, hashtag work from home trend, right? Happening. A lot of businesses, one being forced to figure out how to operate online as well as, you know, one of my favorite books of yours is Meeting Suck, right? And a lot of people now having to figure out how does their team operate or even just with customers or vendors, how do you continue to create and build culture and to create efficiencies and productivities.
0: This is going to be a huge positive shift for all companies is the ability to now realize that you can run remote teams, remote employees, remote meetings, et cetera. So, you know, I have a client who's in Colombia. They've got 800 employees in Colombia. They've always been a location-based business. Everyone working from the same office building. Well, a month ago, in one week, they moved 700 people to work from home. The following week 50 more people were working from home and then the last week they finally got internet access set up for the final 50 all 800 people work from home and the ceo is sitting down now going huh maybe we could hire people remote maybe we don't need this office for 800 people maybe we could hire people in other countries so companies that have never ever thought you could be remote are now seeing that they could be remote companies that were really forced into this location based business are realizing that a lot of that location based stuff is overhead. They don't necessarily need, Mm -hmm. but I think we're going to see a quantum shift very, very quickly from a vast majority of companies that never thought it was possible to now thinking not only is it possible, but it's more profitable and it's smarter to run with remote based teams. So I think we're going to see big organizations. I think we'll see a big collapse of the commercial real estate sector in the office space because companies just don't need that space. Yeah. Uh, landlords can't be as egregious as they used to be with rent. So I think we're going to see a big shift there. And then I think the the reality is for employees, they're all of a sudden it's going to untether them where they say, you know what, fuck it. I'm never going to go back to a job where I have to drive 40 minutes to work anymore. Like I mm-hmm. worked from home for 13 years, so it's no big change for me, but there's going to be employees who for the first time in history have worked from home for the last six weeks and they're going, I kind of like this. I kind of like waking up and having a shower and being at my desk seven minutes later. I kind of like walking to the kitchen for lunch and being back at my desk four minutes later. I like that I'm not spending money on on parking or gas or time in traffic or lunches. Like, There's going to be a lot of employees that say, you know what? I will never, ever work from a location-based business again. Those are big positive quantum shifts in business.
1: Absolutely. And I know a lot of people, some of the conversations I've been hearing from listeners of the show is, hey, my team is going online we are, you know, using the Zooms and the Go-to meetings, and at the same time they're going, I feel like I'm losing culture. I'm losing that identity of our brand as we have been dispersed and somewhat separated. How
0: do you think- so are they, I would say, are you reading any podcasts or reading any books or devouring any videos on how to build remote team cultures? You know, how many hours or even minutes have you spent on learning how to build a remote-based culture. Most of the people that are complaining about it are worried about it are being sucked into the negative vortex and have probably not spent more than 10 minutes, if at all, reading anything about building remote-based teams. So I coached a company that was last year was ranked as the number two company in the United States to work for on Glassdoor. They have 140 employees and they're all remote, all 140. They've never had an office. I've got another client of mine that I'm coaching right now who's got 80 employees. They've never had an office. So they spend all of their time thinking about building remote-based teams with employees all over the world. This isn't a problem for them. The only people it's a problem with are the the people that see it as a problem and their confirmation bias is showing them it's a problem, but they're not spending any time looking for how to make it better. So what they do is they bitch about how hard it is instead of looking to make it better.
1: What are some of the things that you have seen in some of those amazing companies that are remote? with great culture that they have implemented? Is it a communication system? Is it?
0: I've got a, I've got a client of mine who has got um, 50 employees. They're all remote and they used to have people in an office and they used to have donut day. And so all the employees would come and grab a donut. So they spent money the other day delivering one donut to every single employee.
1: Wow.
0: Like a little bit expensive to deliver a single donut, but the reality is what they used to spend on office space was offset. Or they send Uber Eats gift cards to people and they have lunch together on Thursdays. They do TED Talk Thursdays. They sit and everybody orders Uber, it all shows up. They sit at their, at their wherever in their home, watching a TED talk together on Zoom, talking about it, um, and they're connecting that way. They're talking to employees over Slack and over Zoom, and they're training people on how to use that technology. Um, and then they're recognizing that they can bring people in for remote events every quarter or every six months. You can bring people into a secondary city in the secondary market to have an all company meeting where you actually connect and get to know each other. Right. Their other thing they're doing is they're making sure their employees have lives, and those lives have to exist outside of the day-to-day nine-to-five in the office. So they're making sure their employees are plugged into their bucket list, that their employees are particulate, partic- sorry, participating in sports and social clubs, that their, um, their employees are participating in hobbies and connecting with friends and family. So they're working hard to make sure that their employees are plugged into these other networks outside of the workforce.
1: I love that. I think that right there is something to be spotlighted being that so many people can find the connection in the value while still being remote. If you plan and get creative and right execute accordingly, it can almost be compounded and have a much greater impact than you could have if you're all, you know, 50, 100, 200 people packed in one building and you don't see anybody for, you know, oh. the entire quarter anyways.
0: Oh, and if you spend time thinking about it, if the goal is I really want to make this an amazing experience for our remote employees. I really want my remote employees to feel connected to work. If you ask yourself those questions and then you think about how to do that and then you talk to other companies to find out how they're doing, it and you talk to your employees and find out what their needs are and how to help make those needs happen, then you will. Right? But if you don't, then you'll end up focusing on other stuff. You'll focus on the wrong stuff. I always talk about the letter to Santa Claus. If you asked a, you know, a kid who's three years old, what do you want from Santa? And they write a letter to Santa and their mom helps them write the letter. And then mom and the kid walk off to the mailbox and they put the letter in the mailbox to Santa. And then six weeks later, all of a sudden, the kid comes running down to the Christmas tree and oh, three of my gifts that I asked Santa are under the tree. Like Santa read my letter. No, your mom read your fucking letter. <laughs> but, the, but, but so to find out what the kid wants, you ask them and then you buy that for them to find out what your employees need to be happy. Ask them, what do you need to be happy? What would make you feel more connected? What would make you feel like you're a part of a culture? How do we get you some of the things that'll make you feel like you're part of it? is it swag? Is it, you know, backgrounds on green screens for zoom? Is it connecting with each other? Is it, is it, you know, putting goals in place to get our our bucket list created or is it making you realize that maybe a business is only what you do to make money that we need to get you feeling connected with your life so that now you're a part of a company that gives you your life back as well. Like what are the things that you're searching for?
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: So as a company, it's actually giving a shit about our employees and really being connected with their fears, their insecurities, their dreams. Their bucket list and helping to make that stuff happen.
1: And this is an opportunity that if people use it accordingly, it's going to serve their business at a really high level. And sometimes they probably haven't even had time to think about these kind of things, right? Yeah. What about on trends that you're seeing? What are some of the trends that you are seeing in small business right now that people should be Thinking about maybe adopting, maybe leaning into sharpening the axon that maybe they weren't forced to think about 60 days ago?
0: Well, one is that, you know, if your competition is drowning, stick a hose in their mouth. So if you're a small business that competes against other small businesses, try to hire some of their better employees. Um, try to spend, right now, marketing and advertising is cheaper than it's ever been before. So negotiating or renegotiating your ad buys with anybody you're purchasing advertising from looking to generate free publicity about your customers and how your customers are benefiting from your product or service. So, you know, read the book Free PR and do what it says about trying to generate more free publicity. That would be helpful. So it's just those kinds of things I think can really help take people up the next level.
1: And what about the the company, you know, that is either flight, you know, running in the other direction or, you know, frozen right now and just sitting on their hands. What do you say to that company that,
0: Is this a good time to grow right now? (laughs) Well, you need a new vision. You need to have a three-year vision that you can lean into that inspires you. Because if you don't know where you're going anywhere, it'll take you there. So most employees that are frozen right now don't have a vision. They're not entirely sure where they're going. So they don't have anything that they can try to make happen. If you've got a vision for where you're going three years out, you can lean into that and you can reverse engineer every sentence. So I talk about, you know, in the book um, Double Double, In the Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs and in the book, Vivid Vision, I talk about crafting a four or five page written description of what your company looks like, acts like and feels like three years in the future. And then if you work towards that vision, you can make every sentence come true. So the reason most people are stuck is they're not inspired. They're not driving forward. They don't have goals. And so they just get stuck in this negative energy vortex.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the, the the piece and I've been a big fan of double double and vivid vision for a long time and use those in my businesses is most people just lack that clarity and you don't have clarity, then you can't create a plan for that and actually execute on that. So right. where where is the best place for them to find that? Cause I know you have a lot of great free resources for people that are going, maybe I need to reforecast my vision right now, or I need to get a little bit more clear in my vision. Where's the best place for them to find that? I know it's inside Double Double in the book.
0: Yeah, Double Double, chapter one, uh, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs. There's a chapter on vivid vision there. And then also the book, Vivid Vision itself, if they really want to do a deep dive, it's about a two hour, three hour read um, that gives you all of the step-by-step instructions on how to craft your vivid vision for your life and for your business.
1: So scaling right now is obviously, uh, I'm calling this separation season. I think there's, you're going to see when all the dust settles, who really put in the work and adapted and pivoted and leaned into their people and doubled down on the right things. They're going to separate their brands, their businesses, their bank accounts from where they were uh, pre-COVID. And so- That's a very,
0: very good time for the people that have abundance mindset and are focused on growth. They will grow right now. Yes. In every economic downturn, there's lots of companies in every industry that kick ass and there's lots of companies that do poorly. And in every boom, in every great market, there's companies that do poorly. You know, yep. there's, there's all kinds of companies that were going bankrupt in 2019. It was the, It was a nine-year economic boom and they were going bankrupt. They were going bankrupt because they weren't focused, they weren't taking care of their customer, they weren't taking care of their employees, there was too much waste. So in every market, whether it's an up or a down market, companies will do bad or will do well. It's just really up to choice.
1: How important is it? I know, you know, for a lot of people, right? Operations, systems, it's this dry, boring, painful thing for a lot of people. And yet scaling requires people and sound systems. How much should people be dividing attention and balance between working in the business and kind of playing defense and keeping things rolling and also kind of the offense and working on the business and things that might help them scale?
0: Well, in offense, you can be working in your business and that's still offense as well. I think right now you want to be working on a few things. You want to be doing anything you can that will drive revenue. You want to be doing anything you can that will increase gross margin. So that's cutting your cost of goods sold. And you want to be doing anything right now that will decrease any of your unnecessary overhead or waste. In terms of the systems, you want to be working on your business in terms of anything like growing your employees' skills, growing your skills, growing your business capacity, um, growing your brand, growing relationships with customers, suppliers, like leveraging video, you know, anything that you can do that will grow, um, putting systems and SOPs or playbooks in place that will allow you to operate more efficiently, more effectively using things like, you know, if this, then that, or, um, uh, Zapier to automate processes in your business, you know, any things like that can be powerful. I would be careful with working on things that add overhead. I wouldn't necessarily be adding it infrastructure or overhead, but I would work on things that are forward facing customer facing and as, and and then are going to drive revenue, gross margin and reduce overhead
1: if you had to consult that small, you know, let's say 10 employee and under business right now, and I know, you know, there's some variables in here that I'm not going to be able to give you to maybe round off um, helping you answer this question, but should companies right now with the current COVID crisis we all find ourselves in right now, focus on customer acquisition or customer retention and why?
0: Um, a bit of both. I mean, again, it depends on the business you're in. That's a tough question because I'm not really sure whether, so some of it is customer. First off, I think that the number one goal of every company is your employees satisfaction. It's how happy are your employees? The happier your employees are. So whatever your employee net promoter score is, that's going to drive customer engagement. Happy employees make happy customers. And then if you focus on customer engagement seconds, so super happy customers, that's where your profits come from. So I'm really, really kind of obsessed around probably more customer retention and customer happiness. And then because you've got super happy, engaged employees, super happy, engaged customers, the customer acquisition goes easier.
1: Right. That makes total sense. So I want to shift a little bit for you um, on your personal side of things. Where is your mindset in regards to wealth building through this next cycle? Obviously, kind of with this reset happening, and we don't necessarily know where the trough is or when we'll actually reach it. However, people like you and obviously other individuals that you know we get to surround ourselves with and are in masterminds with, um, they're doing things right now or positioning them things for things right now. Where's your mindset at with your own wealth building and?
0: Yeah. You know, so I was, I was actually very public about this in January. In um, January 29th, I think it was, I did a Facebook post that, I remembered the JD Rockefeller story from 1929 where he got a stock tip from a shoe shine boy. And on January 29th of this year, I had two Uber rides on the same day and both Uber drivers gave me stock tips. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, there is no fucking way that my Uber driver, like an Uber X driver should be giving me stock tips. I'm out. And so I contacted my US and my Canadian investment advisors wow. and got rid of 50% of my portfolios in both countries, moved 50% to cash. Um, right when we hit the major downturn, when we were down like 36% over the course of a week, I put 25% of my then, of all the cash, I put 25% of that cash back into the market. So I kept 75% of my cash in, in cash or in, in very liquid um, funds with the plan to go back in in two to three more launches. So I'm waiting for the next downturns to start. I just believe that we're gonna have that economic recession. I didn't pull 100% of my money out in case I'm wrong. I do understand that you can't time the market, but there's three economic signs that are happening right now. The first is the volatility in the markets. The VIX is very, very high. So there's an economic number that's measured every day. It's very, very, very high. Secondly is in November, Apple, Google and Warren Buffett all publicly show, showed that they were sitting on the highest percentage of cash on their balance sheets in history. So when cash is king in a recessionary market, Warren Buffett has always said, when people are fearful, be greedy, when they're greedy, be fearful. So when they're sitting on cash, for me, it was time to build up cash. And then the third was all of the trucking companies were starting to show signs that they were down in fourth quarter. So when they were already down in fourth quarter, their first quarter results for trucking fulfillment and shipping are going to be way off again. And you started seeing it with FedEx coming off, UPS coming off. But the 10 major carriers in the U.S. had downturns already, which meant the major brands, manufacturers weren't, weren't supplying, weren't shipping, weren't sending, weren't buying. That's a bad sign for the economy right now. Yeah. So that's why. So I went to cash heavily in January and February. I had all of my clients go to cash, pay off debt. Um, so I'm actually sitting in a really good position. I got rid of some overhead that I didn't need. Um, so I cut back on some overhead. So I'm sitting in a very good building up even more cash position. So I'm feeling pretty good about things, but I'm also very cautious because I believe we're going to be going into a two or three year depression, not just recession, but a two or three depression, um, which is interest rates, uh, sorry, which is um, unemployment over a certain percent and, um, uh, number of quarters that we're hitting. And, and I think we're just going to be there for a long period of time. So,
1: yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people, uh, you know, we, we, you and I connected through GoBundance uh, a couple of years ago and the overall pulse is, you know, everybody's being optimistic or you're hearing a lot of people, oh, it's going to be a quick bounce back. And my take on that is it's going to be a lot slower and a lot longer and a lot harder than I think
0: most people are expecting right now. And you it's, can't, you can't bounce back as an economy when you have 25 million people unemployed.
1: Yeah, there's no way.
0: That does so every job that was added since two thousand and nine we 've now lost that 's a lot like that 's a lot of people to absorb back into the economy and there 's a lot of companies that haven 't even started having bad results yet correct you know the retail chains haven 't started bankrupting the, the investment companies haven 't going bankrupt the, the real estate companies haven 't started announcing bankruptcies hotel chains airlines like all of these first quarter results are going to be brutal, and when those brutal results come in. That's what sends fear through the the uninformed, optimistic market. The smart money is already sitting on the sidelines. The smart money has been on the sidelines for two months now. Like the real big Wall Street money is sitting on the sidelines in part.
1: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me, in my exclusive mastermind which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of fifty thousand dollars a year this mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that how to find how to analyze how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level but here's the catch like i mentioned before this is exclusive we're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application. Now, again, that's my first five zero K.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join. And I can't wait to connect with you soon. Well, it's still in for the first inning, right? And so I kind of of equated the analogy of the, the, the atomic bomb. We all watched explode on the horizon, but we haven't felt all of the ripple effects and aftershocks yet. And when we do, I think it's going to be, I never, I've never been a doomsdayer, right? But all the data and at least the sentiment from the people who are way smarter than me, way more resource capitalized, resume and tenured than me are all saying this, this is going to be a big one. And and I don't even know how to feel about this right now because we've never seen anything like
0: this before. Well, it's interesting. Somebody the other day said to me, I've never been a doomsdayer. I've never been negative. I was like, yeah, but you're 34 years old. You've never actually been through a recession, right as as an adult yeah because
1: i came in in 2010 so i i came in at the bottom i didn't see or feel or have any responsibility at when the explosion happened
0: right so you've never had to actually you've never been an adult going through a recession so of course you don't have the data or the wisdom to know what it feels like or what really happens whereas like i remember 1982 when we had 18 and three-quarter percent interest rates 18 (laughs) percent. that's crazy um, I, I, sat with a guy who sits on the federal reserve bank who sees interest rates going back to 13%. So we don't understand that, but I remember getting my first mortgage in 2000 and I got a 6.5% mortgage. I was like, fucking a, this is so good. It felt free to me. 6.5. I was like, this is ridiculously cheap. Now, if you said you're going to pay 6.5% for a mortgage, people would think you're crazy. Yeah. So things change and people need to have some of the wisdom and the patience with it all. Um, there's going to be a massive economic reshuffling because there is $4 trillion that's come in. But remember the vast majority of people aren't invested in the stock market. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of Americans are not invested. So the fact that the stock market's doing great is only helping the top one to 2%.
1: Right.
0: The other 98% live paycheck to paycheck. So the fact that all of that money is going to go in and is going to make those asset prices go up, isn't necessarily going to change businesses right? The average American right now is going to get wiped out Yep. because everything is going to get more expensive for them and they're not going to have jobs or they're not going to have enough money coming in or they're not going to have dual income. Or, and we've got some, some negative waves coming. We have the baby boomers. The oldest baby boomer is 78 today. The youngest is 56. They're starting to sell their bigger houses. And Gen Y doesn't want the big homes. So the bigger home real estate market is going to, is going to really hurt for the next number of years as the baby boomers start to sell. Second thing is we've got autonomous vehicles, robotics and AI coming in place which allows all of those people to get displaced out of the job market. So now for the next three years, you've got all those people being displaced plus the 25 million that are currently out of work, plus the global supply chain seizing. This ain't gonna be a fun three years.
1: It's going to be wild, man. And a lot of that unemployment, in my opinion, is underreported when you look at cash workers, immigrants, people who haven't even gotten into the system yet.
0: That's true too. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. All of those cash workers that are unemployed as well, like every maid, every yard person, every clean yep. person, all the massage people, like people cutting hair, they're not declaring income. No, no. They're all unemployed as well.
1: Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting and, and 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 I agree this this ripple effect and you know not to scare people because as an entrepreneur you've already bet on yourself to operate in times of uncertainty anyways, right? So now it's just going all right, this board game that I thought I was playing is no longer going to be the board game that I'm playing post new life of covid, right? So how do I sit down, learn the rules, learn how the other players move, learn the strategy to win the game and bet on myself again that I'm going to figure this out and capitalize on opportunity,
0: right? I think those are the people that are going to do well right now are the ones that are entrepreneurial, right? Whether you're entrepreneurial in a job or you're entrepreneurial with your company or you're entrepreneurial as a freelancer, you spot opportunities, you capitalize, you invest wisely, you invest in yourself, you'll do well in this time. The people that have like the feel that there is a, that they're owed something are the ones that are going to struggle because yeah. you're not, you're not owed anything. No one actually owes you anything.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Now, in regards to some of the leaders that you're leaning on and you're paying attention to that others might be able to pay attention from afar, who are some of your favorite kind of influencers and motivators that are, you know, kind of inspiring you or guiding you during these times?
0: Yeah. So I, mine are less of, of a certain person. Like I, I just watched this Ray Dalio, um, talk the other day, the guy who wrote principles and, and it was all just on the economy and investing and stuff. I thought that was really, some really good insights. Um, I'm, in the, I'm in a number of different mastermind groups, Genius Network, War Room, and Baby Bathwater that I really get a lot of insights and information from those people and staying focused and positive. But I'm also just very focused on my vision and what I'm building right now with yeah. the co Alliance and the Second in Command pod, podcast and really driving both of those.
1: Talk about those for a quick quick second. For those that, you know, and again, you guys heard Cameron's bio. So obviously, you know what kind of businesses he's built at what levels he built them at. And um, you have your podcast that you're putting out a ton of value and, you know, free content for people to tap into as well as the COO Alliance, which is unlike anything in the world. For those that don't know what kind of value you're putting out or who that serves, talk a little bit about that real quick.
0: Yeah, so one of the things I realized was that there were a lot of really great groups for entrepreneurs, right? You've got YPO and EO and Vistage, and, and Genius Network, and Baby Bathwater, and Maverick, and, you know, Summit, and all these amazing, infinite number of groups for entrepreneurs. Right. And then there's groups for lawyers and engineers and bankers and marketers, but there was never a group that was truly for the second in command. So we started an organization called the COO Alliance. We have five events per year. Uh, Members pick three of the five events to go to. No entrepreneurs are allowed. It's only the COO or the second in command. And you need to do at least 5 million in revenue to qualify. So we want real companies. Um, That's the COO Alliance. So I'm really scaling that. And then I started a podcast. One is a way to give value back to the members and the community and as a way for, for brand building. Everyone interviews the entrepreneur. And I thought about my mom and dad. If you asked my dad, how did you raise your kids? He'd have a very true story. If you ask my mom, how did you raise your kids? She'd have a very true story. They were married the entire time, but they have very different stories on how they grew the family. Mm. I want the rest of the story. You know, we, we listen to you know Kendra Scott and how she built her jewelry company, but I want to hear from Lon, who is her COO. Or you listen to Brian at one got junk how he built one got junk I want to hear Cameron's story or Eric, the new COO's story. Or you listen to Tobias, who built Shopify. I want to listen to Harley Finkelstein, the COO. I always so, so we're only interviewing COOs. We have no entrepreneurs allowed on the show. We've had the COO of Bumble, the COO of the Cleveland Indians, the COO of YPO, like all kinds of great seconds and commands on the podcast.
1: What are some of the great characteristics you find in a COO versus an entrepreneur?
0: The COOs want to make the entrepreneur's dreams happen. The COOs don't want to be entrepreneurs. The COOs tend to ask a lot of questions and think in systems and putting playbooks and systems in place. The COOs want the details and the data and the CEOs tend to be fairly high level. They tend to be a little bit more scattered. They tend to be perpetual motion machines. They tend to come up with lots of ideas. They tend to trust very quickly and dump things on people's plates. Um, And they're very, very much a yin and yang relationship. A really good CEO and COO relationship is really powerful.
1: How can somebody find that kind of Batman to, or that Robin to their Batman? If they're
0: the COO, the
1: flying by the seat of their pants, constantly in motion, you know, some of those people, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's
0: me. The first thing the the entrepreneur has to do is make sure they have an executive assistant. Most people make a mistake and they'll go out and hire a second command before they have an executive assistant. So I've Mm -hmm. always said, if you don't have an EA, you are one right? If you don't have an executive assistant, you are one. Yep. Um, so, and then if you hire an executive assistant, you usually buy yourself another full year of not needing to have a second in command at that point. Right. Second thing is I look at and make a, a list of all the stuff I'm good at and all the stuff I suck at, all the things that I work on day to day that I get energy from and all the stuff that drain me of energy. And then I'm going to look to find a second in command who likes to do all the stuff I suck at and all the stuff that drains me. They love that stuff and they don't want to do the stuff I do. And then the third part is to find somebody who you implicitly trust. Mm. you give them the keys to your bank account. So it's doing the actual reference checks and the interviews and, and really, really getting to know them so that day one you know everything about them. There's nothing left to learn. Yep.
1: Yeah, my my COO took years for me to find. And it's one of those things where you got to always be recruiting for talent, building relationships. How, how often do you see somebody get it right on that first time or how long does it usually take for them to identify that rock star talent, perfect, you know, yin to the yang fit?
0: It really depends on how clearly they think about the scorecard. You know, what are the core things this person's going to have to get done in their first 12 months with you? Mm -hmm. What are the behavioral traits you want them to exhibit and live by? Um, So if you know what they're going to be doing and you know how they're going to be exhibiting themselves or showing up, then you tend to know what you're looking for when you know what you're looking for, you tend to know where those people hang out. Mm. Right? So, you know, years ago, I was running a house painting business. This is my first real company. I had 12 employees when I was 20 years old. And I I remember thinking to myself, I needed to go hire some athletes, some university kids who were athletes. I'm like, where do athletes hang out? We didn't have social media to do advertising. You need to go put up flyers and talk to people and network to get them. So I thought, you know what, they hang out at the gym. So I went up to the gym at that university, which was near my house and there was nobody in the gym. I'm like, Oh fuck, that sucks. So I'm like, maybe they're in the basketball court. So I ran over to the basketball court and sure enough, there's all these guys playing pickup basketball. So I stood at the door and I remember being really nervous and then I just screamed out, Hey, is anybody in here looking for a summer job? I'm looking to hire people to paint houses. I pay 15 bucks an hour. And these guys stopped and this one guy walked over. His name was Mike Scott. Mike goes, I'm looking for a job. Tell me about this house painting thing. So I told him, he goes, how many guys do you want to hire? I'm like, I need five. He goes, I've got two roommates. They're both looking for jobs. Can we come and meet with you after dinner? I'm like, that would be great. Three guys showed up at my house at six o'clock. The next morning at 8 a.m., three guys were working painting. Love house. it. But I knew what I was looking for. Yes. I knew where they hung out. I could describe to them what I was building and get them excited about it. So it's easy to find people when you know what you're looking for.
1: Going back to vision, going back to vision. I love it. Cameron, you are the man brother. As always, I've been grateful to have a virtual mentor like you that has uh, been leading from the front, especially in storms. Like we're all feeling and experiencing right now to have kind of those lighthouses that spotlight the most important things when there's a lot of fog, a lot of noise for a lot of people. I just want to, you know, commend you and acknowledge you for you. The, the work that you do and just putting out so much quality content for a lot of people uh, and being so generous with your time and your resources. For those that want to check out the podcast, that want to check out COO Alliance, where is the best place for them to follow you, learn more about your content? We'll be sure to link all that up in the show notes.
0: Sure. If they go to the CameronHeralds.com, that's probably the best place to get all the overall information. If they want information on the COO Alliance, as long as they're 5 million or greater, they can go to COOalliance.com. And then all of my books, the five books, uh, Double Double, Free PR, Meeting Suck, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, and Vivid Vision, are all available on amazon audible and itunes and then of course the second in command podcast is anywhere that you listen to podcasts it's up there
1: i feel like it would only be fitting to finish the interview with uh some positivity and obviously in times like right now a lot of craziness what has been your silver lining what have been some of the most positive things you have found in times like right now
0: there's two things one is i decided that during this time what's one thing that i can do that i can maybe learn or have some fun at so I'm trying to figure this little. Nice out. This guitar. guitar it's fucking hard, man, but I'm like getting there. I'm working on brown eyed girl right now. And I sound like I'm stepping on a guitar. <laughs> it. I'm working on it. Um, so that's fun. Just every day, just trying to learn something a little bit. Secondly is to remember to not take ourselves so seriously. Cause none of us are getting out of this alive. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. This is just what we're doing to make money. And just to remember to have fun on the journey is part of it.
1: It's great reminders. Cameron Harold. appreciate you, man. Matthew, thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview and got some massive value from it. And if you did, be sure to share on social media, share with a friend, a family member, anybody that can get some value from this, as well as leave a review in whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. If you are watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button, as well as drop me a comment below. Let me know something that you enjoyed from from this episode, and if you haven't headed over to go.millionairemindcast.com yet and entered our monthly contest and giveaway of over $1,100 in prizes, be sure to do that. It's free, and if we haven't connected yet, if you haven't hit me up, be sure to text me at 844-447-1555, yes, I answer each and every one of those texts, and I love getting to hear from all of you guys, the listeners around the entire world. Last, if you haven't checked out some of our free tools and resources and the amazing things that we make available to our entire Millionaire MyCast family, check out the RichLifeAcademy.com and know that if you want to get in closer proximity, I'm going to be hosting some of our first events this year. Now more than ever, especially with what is going on, is the time to double down on your relationships, to skill up, to surround yourself with other hard-charging people because we are going to see this landscape of business and life change and you want to be surrounded by the best of the best. So if you want to check out more information on our upcoming Wealth Camps, you can text the word wealth camp one word, to 844-447-1555. And if you want to be directly mentored by me, This is a one-on-one mentorship. Text the word mentor to 844-447-1555 to learn more about what it entails and how you can work with me directly. With that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friends.